three, two, one. Welcome back to the Anyone Can Run podcast. The podcast for those new members of the running community who want to knock out their first race, whether it's a 5K, full marathon, or anything in between. I am your host, True Bros, a.k.a. Gabe, a.k.a. the sneakerhead who still doesn't have a pair of Nike Chunky Dunkies. And I am an NCCA certified personal trainer, gamer, and sneakerhead who specializes in helping clients reach their health and fitness goals. This podcast is a blend of uh, motivational words, a chronicle of my running my personal journey on the road to Gainesville, some poor attempts at humor, but above all, it's the place where we cover the marathon mindset, the running routines, and everything else you need to know to help you absolutely dominate your first race. More often than not, our conversations here at Anyone Can Run examine ourselves as human beings who run, not just runners. Pounding the pavement is just a single aspect of our personalities, as we're all parents or children or friends or students or co-workers, yada, yada, yada. I also realize, since we've returned from our extended hiatus, we firmed up both our release schedule and the general format of our discussions. And my apologies if you preferred the more detail, fact-oriented style we adhered to previously. I've always viewed the lens of running to be an interesting one for framing conversations about self-realization and our mental states, as when you work with clients to help them improve their health and fitness, more often than not, the crux of the issue isn't that they're lazy and that's how they got out of shape. No, 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 no. There's always more to the story. As someone who believes they are fairly self-aware, in my limited life experience, I've found that to not always be the case of my clients, colleagues, and family. Considering I like seeing those around me feel good and reach their goals, I've always encouraged them to engage in physical activity, and some of them have even begun to develop curiosity about the race experience. In the past, I've always been a staunch advocate of the race atmosphere. It's something very unique and provided you've put in adequate time to prepare for race day, it feels like the culmination of all the time, effort, and sacrifice you've made to get to that point. Unlike an interview or a basketball game or an event where you need to perform, a race experience, apart from variations in weather and terrain, will be exactly like all of your training, which makes that experience, I'd argue, not quite as nerve-wracking as, say, performing a gymnastics routine, or playing in a football game against actual live opponents. Come race day, you're going to be running at the same pace, in the same method, and fuel in the same way you've hopefully done multiple times before. So barring some sort of injury or lapse in attention, races tend to be very straightforward. This is why I always refer to running as the most approachable sport. You don't need access to anything fancy like a pool for swimming, nor do you have to worry about the spirit of competition like you do with organized team sports. Your primary focus is yourself, your training, and paying attention to the messages your body is giving you. Because that race experience is the payoff of all your hard work, I've always thought it best if you're able to, from a financial and time perspective, Indulge yourself a little bit and splurge on a destination race for your first or second one, if at all possible. You should absolutely celebrate the hard work you've put in 
Because although countless other runners have done what you have, your friends, your families, your co-workers, they don't know how hard you've had to push yourself mentally and physically to reach the point where you're feeling race-ready. They don't know the hours you've dedicated, the lifestyle changes you've implemented, and potentially the sacrifices you've made, like altering your social priorities and giving up time with loved ones, to get yourself to a point where you're feeling healthy, strong, and prepared for a race. Considering all that, and since my first race was the Walt Disney World Marathon, I've always been a staunch advocate of destination races. Even if you're someone like me who prefers to keep to themselves and doesn't really want to interact with others, it's still nice to be around the race atmosphere. When I participated in the first Run Disney Summer virtual running races back in summer of 2016, I remember comparing it to the pomp and circumstance of that large race I just ran, which in turn left a bad impression of the entire virtual race experience on me. As the years have passed and I've logged more miles, secured more bling in various races, both large and small, and, you know, lived in a world where all the races have been canceled due to a global pandemic, my predilections toward races have changed fairly substantially. If I were you, I'd say that it's easy to look back on the information I've laid out thus far and think, oh, well, you ran some big races, some small ones, got more accustomed to the race experience, and since all races are canceled, now he really loves virtual races. And while that's certainly a reasonable conclusion, it doesn't really capture the whole picture. As we've discussed in the last couple episodes, knowing ourselves inside and out, not just in the physical sense, but how strong we are mentally, how resilient, and how we can either be solution-oriented or get in our own way if we aren't cognizant of our thoughts, is an integral component of the marathon mindset. After I'd completed my first race, and then completed my first virtual race, I found myself feeling as if I hadn't really earned the medals I'd received in the mail despite racking up the miles. I thought to myself as I finished my virtual race, wow, this is it. This is where I train all the time. This is nothing special. Because obviously I ran the race where I trained. It wasn't until years later I realized this was an issue with my mindset. As even though I was driven and focused on completing the races I signed up for, I wasn't truly dedicated to the actual process. I was looking for these mental distractions to give me something to focus on when I was running. I was so dead set on reaching the finish line at all costs, I wasn't paying attention to what my body was telling me. And instead of feeling stronger and faster and healthier, I would routinely develop minor injuries as part of my negligence, which in turn sort of fueled my distaste, not just for virtual races, but running as well. As I've gotten more comfortable with the shortcomings I've developed throughout the course of training for my first race and in the time frame afterwards, it's helped me adjust my mental approach to things, to not just be more content with my progress on my personal health and fitness journey, but my overall disposition for the other 23 hours a day, I'm not outside in 90 degree weather pounding the pavement. This is why we kicked off our conversation today by emphasizing the importance of knowing who we are as individuals. If we know what motivates us and can honestly and realistically predict how we would respond in certain situations, whether it be coping with a setback, work stress, or whatever, this allows us to set ourselves up for success from a mental perspective. This is just as important as ensuring you aren't overindulging on ice cream and booze all the time. 
Granted, it's contingent upon where you're at on this big blue ball we call home, but there's a fair chance if you're a runner who's going to tackle their first race in the next, I don't know, 9 to 12 months, you're falling into one of the two following camps. Either one, all races are canceled, so you're going to be tackling a virtual race, or two, there's a chance you may be able to tackle an in-person race with other runners as expected, although perhaps with modified rules in place. Today, our conversation is going to emphasize the difference between running a race solo or with a group of people. And this can mean a handful of people running along the same route as you on a virtual race, or lining up at the start line with thousands of your fellow runners. We're going to emphasize the personality traits, which may benefit from either race style. And I'm also going to use my experience as a point of reference for you as you brainstorm which race you should undertake for your first foray into the race world. Before we kick things off, let's be cognizant of one thing. Obviously, we want to weigh our risk tolerance regarding the global pandemic with the guidance of local health officials and all that jazz. And I ain't here to tell you if you should be running a race right now. I'm going to operate under the assumption you're making the best decision for you and your family because, hey, I just record a podcast in my closet. I'm literally leaning against the plastic boxes right now that carry my shoes or hold my sneakers. I'm not the boss of you. And I assume there is somewhere on planet Earth where modified in-person races are taking place right now. Besides, the primary end goal of today's discussion is to help you consider what best serves your personality anyway. So the practical reality of you thinking, okay, I'm going to run this race in two weeks with two buddies, but we're going to be a minute apart so we can be this far away from each other, isn't really pertinent to our discussion. We touched on this a few minutes ago, but when I was first introduced and participated in the concept of a virtual race, both my mindset and expectations were completely out of whack. I didn't realize it at the time because I was focused on logging miles and getting stronger and faster, but I was able to successfully complete my first race in large part due to the fact I was running the Walt Disney World Marathon and paid a stupid amount of money for that trip. So being immersed in that new locale and being so far away from home helped me will myself to continue forward when I was ready to throw in the towel. By the time I had returned home and physically recovered from that entire ordeal, I looked at completing that race with a bit of disdain. I felt fantastic for completing it, don't get me wrong, and you know, the fact that I reached a goal, I wasn't sure I'd be able to. But because I didn't perform as well as I'd hoped, I wanted to do it again. Not so I could set some Olympic record or anything like that, but so I could complete that race using my full potential and feeling as good as I possibly could. That outlook or that synopsis that we just laid out, it seems sort of understandable, right? I was dealing with a truncated training time frame and I had no experience at the race before. I'd never been a distance runner. So obviously I wanted to try it again and do the best I could. At the time, I wasn't upset. I just had that sort of feeling like, dang, man, I could have done better and I will next time, which I personally didn't see an issue with. However, as I look back, and truly think about where I was mentally at that time, it wasn't in the best place. Like we just mentioned, I needed that mental distraction of the race, because while I had some physical issues attributable to a dearth of training on my part, I was still able to log the miles. My lack of preparation didn't truly manifest from the physical component, but the mental. While I undoubtedly would have built cardiovascular and muscular strength if I'd trained adequately, 
or just had enough time to train, I also would have slowly built up the mental confidence and experience to draw on when I reached that quote-unquote point of no return to reference the Phantom of the Opera. My personality is very much the kind who wants to keep to themselves. Perhaps the only bright side brought to our household as a result of COVID is I've been able to work from home full-time for the past few months. While this fits in with my plans of keeping myself and those in my household safe, it also is much more conducive to my personality. I prefer not just the lack of traffic and being in a physical office space, but getting to run when I feel like it and getting to set my own priorities. I know this sounds unrelated to the race experience, but in practically every previous episode where we've discussed the Run Disney race experience, I've talked about how I'm not a fan, I'm not a fan rather, of how crowded the races are and how there's a distinct lack of restrooms near the start corrals. I don't know about you, but that's a big deal to me because this means that my uber hydrated self was having to constantly run back to the restrooms and then get back shoulder to shoulder and wiggle along with the mass of people in my start corral just to kick things off, which meant I have never once in my life started a run Disney race feeling strong. And that sucks because I've done over 10 of them if you count all the challenges I've participated in. I always had to go to the restroom, which is like the only thing that can bother you when you're running, provided, you know, you've adequately trained. So needless to say, that's a bit of a bummer. I know we've relayed this or we've discussed this at some point, but the year after my first marathon, I was back in the house Mickey built to take on my first dopey challenge. And I rolled my ankle during the first race, so the entire experience was tremendously painful, and the half marathon was canceled due to weather. In fact, to back up a second, the Dopey Challenge is four races in four days, 5K, 10K, half, and a full marathon. So I rolled my ankle during the 5K, and that half marathon got canceled due to weather. And instead of taking the time off, icing and recovering like I probably should have, my mental state was so amped up that aspect of my personality where everything has to be earned it surfaced in full force so i ended up running a cool 13.1 miles around the port orleans resort which worked out to like 10 or 15 laps or something like that around both hotels it was raining lightly i remember very well and my ankle was not in the best shape ever however i still look back on that as the absolute best race i've ever ran in my life from a comfort perspective you might think that's, that that's bonkers to cite a race in the rain where I was running on a bad ankle where the course consisted of multiple loops around a few hotels and a parking lot to be the best ever. But you've got to hear me out for a minute. For a long time, I've looked back on that experience fondly because, again, I had that sentiment that I quote-unquote earned my dopey by logging all 48.6 miles in four days as originally planned, even if the race was canceled. I also look back on it and I get all the warm fuzzies because as I was pounding the pavement in the rain, I saw tons of my fellow runners doing the same. I saw multiple groups of people camped out under umbrellas or trees or gazebos, playing music and cheering on runners who passed by them multiple times. So it was a very unique community-driven experience. Obviously, each of those were strong contributing factors, but what I truly loved was the flexibility I had while running. I could stop in my hotel room because it was on my route whenever I needed. 
which meant I could use the facilities as needed. I also didn't have to lug around extra water and snacks, as I could just pop in for a second as needed. Needless to say, even though the circumstances of it uh, sucked, and I was in tremendous physical pain and should not have been running, that was absolutely a mistake, I still look back on that as the most comfortable race experience I've had to date. Not being tied to the constraints of the race course was absolutely fantastic, and not having to weave and shuffle around a crowded race did wonders for my ability to focus on just running. In hindsight, apart from the handful of quote-unquote course spectators, this was preparation for a virtual race, and is most likely where my affinity for them began to develop. I enjoy being in control and being able to dictate how I physically approach things, so even if I was operating without the mental distractions or entertainment afforded to me by a Disney race course, because I was in control of everything related to running, it helped get my mindset in the right place. It allowed me to get back to basics and focus on running, listening to my body and making sure I was fueling appropriately. It was almost as if being taken out of the race course experience the very thing I've always advocated for, helped me get my mind right and focus more so on the running experience as opposed to being singularly focused on the end goal. Essentially, being removed from that race atmosphere helped me chill out and, like a Hallmark movie, focus on what really mattered. I lay out these examples of my personality and predilections so you can use them as a point of reference for your own experiences. I've chatted with many clients who say, oh yeah, I love being alone. And while I may or may not agree with them on that particular sentiment because I know them, being forced into quarantine or social distancing has revealed to them they actually prefer being around people. This isn't to say it's better to be a people person or prefer to be alone or a pragmatic combination of both, as I'm sure most of us are, but it's ideal to know how you truly feel. To know the environment you thrive in and prefer to be in, because this allows you the opportunity to set yourself up for success. In hindsight, virtual races are perfect for me, and I've signed up for a couple for the remainder of the year. As the idea of running 26.2 miles and being able to pop into my own residence to use the facilities or grab some of my trusty snacks as needed sounds kind of both awesome and terrible, and I can't wait to try out the process on some training runs over the next few weeks. As I look back on my first race experience, I genuinely believe my personality would have benefited from my undertaking a virtual race first. Obviously, I needed additional time to train and all that, but I'm specifically referring to the mental component here. While it was amazing to finish my first race at Disney, I was ill-prepared, pushed myself too hard, and did my mentality no favors by pushing to get the job done. I really wish I had completed a virtual race, or even just circled a day on my calendar a few months off and said, hey, that's race day, that's the day I'm running a half marathon around the park or the neighborhood or whatever. I've always preferred my big experiences to not be shared with anyone else. Call it selfishness, conservativeness, a personality quirk, whatever. But that's always been my predilection. Since I was running a marathon for myself to prove to Gabe that I could do it, it made no sense for me to force myself into an impossibly difficult situation 
where I did not have adequate time to train for a distance I'd never even gotten close to attempting before, not to mention spending a ridiculous amount of money on registration and travel. What I should have done was completed a shorter quote-unquote race for myself on a specific day so I could get that satisfaction of training for and reaching a goal it ultimately took me a couple years to actually get. I was looking for the internal satisfaction of that specific process, the training, the preparation, the reaching the goal I knew I wanted to reach and had trained for, but I was too preoccupied with trying to fit it within the confines of a large organized race experience and that helped me or made me lose sight of what was best for my personality. It would have been better for me physically and mentally to train for and knock out a virtual race, but I got tunnel vision and I lost sight of that. Even though I was tangentially aware of virtual races, like I knew of their existence, my arrogance took over, and I was very much like, oh, I'm not going to do a virtual race, those are stupid. And I allowed that warped mindset to later impact my view of virtual races, which means I did not participate in them for years, despite them being perfect for my personality. This is why we stress the importance of knowing who you are and what you prefer the other 23 hours a day when you're not running. Because if you're cognizant of that, when it comes to signing up for a race, you can derive utility or enjoyment from the entire process. Running is the most approachable sport, but it's also the means through which we're living a healthy and fit lifestyle and tackling our first race. If you can't stand the entire process and you get tunnel vision and you're just focused on crossing the finish line, there's a fair chance you may experience an adverse impact on your mentality. I'm not going to say it's inevitable, because if you're cognizant of what you're doing and how your mind is firing when you're in the moment, there's a pretty good chance you'll be in better shape than I was. And that's the end goal of today's conversation, to get you to acknowledge and or possibly explore those aspects of your personality you may not be aware of to help you decide which type of race is better for you, given the circumstances of the world at the moment. It'd be very easy, and believe me, I thought about it for about half a second, to get all clickbaity and say something like, what's better, running races solo or with other people? Let's find out. But we're not in the business of farming for clicks here. We're dead set on ensuring your personal marathon mindset is developed to the point you can push through challenges or setbacks, or not lose your cool when you run into an issue, whether that be on the race course or outside of running. As a result, it takes some personal introspection to help you reach those conclusions about the most logical course of action for you. In previous conversations, when I've tried to spark, uh, I don't know, introspection, self-reflection, whatever you want to call it, I believe I've gone about it the wrong way. I believe in large part This could be attributed to my perspective, as I don't want to be the kind of person who blathers on about themselves and their existence and thought processes when I'm just some some dude who's, you know, a certified personal trainer and gamer. Just some guy, right? But in the past, when I'd want you, psychomaniac new member of the running community, to truly devote some thought to the examples I've raised, I feel like my approach was too heavy-handed. I'd post questions to try to get you to mull things over. But in hindsight, I've never done my best reflection when questions were posed to me. It was always when I was presented with actions 
the context and or thought processes behind them. And then I could apply that to my experiences. Whether I agreed with the thought process or reached the same conclusion is, is, is immaterial. Being able to see and comprehend where someone is coming from is not just a key component to empathy in my estimation, but it's always been essential to expanding my own critical thinking and creativity. I know we've spent the majority of our conversation thus far centered around the missteps I made related to virtual races, but this is primarily due to, again, my own personality quirks. Working out for me, ever since I started doing so regularly over a decade ago, has always been my time to myself. It's always been about not only improving my physical strength and endurance, but also allowing me the opportunity to clear my head, to zone out with music or a podcast, and just get in my own little world. As such, I've always relished this time, and it used to blow my mind when other people didn't enjoy working out or prioritize it like I did. But that was obviously due to a lack of empathy and understanding regarding where other people are in their lives. As I've mentioned, I very much got in my own head when tackling my first race. However, my second marathon ever, which came at the tail end of the dopey challenge where my ankle was all types of jacked up, was my wife's first ever full marathon, which completely altered not just the dynamic of the race itself, but how I approached that race day. Obviously, I wanted my wife to know she could cross the finish line, but being cognizant of how much I struggled mentally and knowing my life partner, I knew if she were to tackle it alone, there was a pretty okay chance that she'd get in her own head the same way I did and run the risk of not finishing. Her and I being very similar in that regard, I knew not crossing the finish line would break her heart and there was no way I was going to not help if there was even a semblance of a way I could. To explain the timeline or to expand upon the timeline a little bit. So I did my first race in January 2016. So this is one year later, January 2017. So I'm still kind of in that same headspace that I was for my first race and what we've been talking about thus far. So this meant that the training cycle, because I'm with another person now, felt different and quite frankly, was completely at odds with the mental approach I'd had up until that point. I've been so dead set on driving forward and pushing hard that when I had to adjust any little thing, whether it be the time of day I was running, the pace, the distance, even the outfit I was wearing, it would completely throw me off. This is the perfect example of what I mean when I say I was so dead set on reaching my goal and nothing else, it had a profound adverse impact on my mentality. Instead of getting more resilient, I'd get internally frustrated and truly this was all just a matter of perspective. Instead of being happy that I was spending time with my darling wife and how we were both progressing and living healthier, I'd feel as if everything was just off because everything wasn't ideal. I remember at the time, and it probably came across this way to her as well, but I felt like I was driven and you know, being supportive and doing everything right. But in hindsight, my confidence was so fragile because deep down, I knew I wasn't prepared for that first race experience. And I didn't want that to happen again to either of us. Things would seem as if they were going well, right? We'd knock out the high mileage training hitters. But I always had lingering feelings of frustration. And I could never pinpoint why. At the time, 
I attributed it to, I don't know, streaming or creating content, whatever I was doing, just everything else going on. But I was so singularly focused on getting physically stronger that I didn't devote enough to my mental state. Although truth be told, I don't know if I will, if simply admitting that my worries and the fear to myself, if just like, you know, admitting and acknowledging that would have led anywhere. At any rate, it's a moot point because that's done. And thankfully, my mindset is no longer so singularly focused on one thing, except for getting those chunky donkeys, which I still don't have. A bit of a sidebar, but in work and in school, I've always, I was always, or have been, whatever, adept at being able to quickly move between large scale systemic and strategic issues and identifying essential details which can't be overlooked. Probably why I've always operated as a project manager. Anyways, I bring this up not so you'll offer me a job, nah nah nah, but because while I've always been able to do this in practically every aspect of my life, when it came to running, I never really looked at the big picture. I'd get so focused on completing that one goal that I got tunnel vision. And you'd think considering my professional career and with all the creative endeavors I've undertaken over the years, there's no way that would have happened to me for for nearly two years when it came to running, but it absolutely did. At the time, I, I knew something was off, but I couldn't pinpoint what it was, right? And I say this because even if you think your mindset is solid and you're feeling good, there's never any harm in taking a step back and looking at the big picture of you. Not just with your running, but how running is fitting in as part of the grander picture of you as an individual. I was cognizant of the fact I was determined to reach my goal. But the fact so much was throwing me off, and I found myself growing exponentially more frustrated than I was when I was training for my first race should have been a telltale sign that me, someone who is normally very laid back and never really lets anything bother them, was slowly losing my marbles over a whole lot of nothing. My hope is that you are more well-adjusted than I was mentally when I was training for my race with my darling wife. And if you're not, if you find yourself where I was, hopefully this serves as a reminder to be cognizant of your mindset. I thought it made sense to kick off our discussion around running and training with other people around the negative mental experience I had. Because it's important to make clear With all the quote-unquote drawbacks I experienced as far as training with somebody else, they were all entirely in my head. I vehemently believe the most important distinctions between running a race solo or with others is what takes place in your own head. As that's always been my personal experience. As always, it's never really about the actual act of running, but how your mind is firing before, during, and after your pavement pounding session. Now that we've discussed the perceived drawbacks of training for and running a race with other people, let's discuss the benefits. Before we dive in, let's just operate under the assumption when we're discussing training and running a race with a friend or with a group of your compatriots that all of them are reliable and punctual. I'm the sort of person who is never late for things, and it irks me when others are. So let's just assume for the sake of discussion, those you've thrown your running lot in with are dependable and whatnot. Perhaps the biggest benefit I can think of when running with others is accountability. 
If you're the sort of person who has struggled to develop consistency or discipline in the past, having another living and breathing human being there can help with that tremendously. Even if you're the sort of person who prefers training solo, knowing you've another person counting on you and waiting for you can help instill discipline. I've encouraged many of the clients I've worked with to either train together or with friends and family, and many of them have had jam-packed schedules, so carving out time has been a struggle. However, the second you add in the social obligation of knowing someone else is relying on you, I've noticed even those who struggle consistently to work out were able to find time once that was established. I don't believe it to be a particularly far leap in logic to say if you go through a training cycle with another person and begin to develop that regularity and routine of working out, you've essentially had help in achieving what nearly every single one of my clients struggled with, making exercise a priority in your life. Carving out time to exercise, the same way you do with work and showering and all that jazz. Once it becomes routine and priority, you've made it past the most difficult hurdle on your journey on the road to Gainesville. Inevitably, at some point, you've heard someone say, oh, getting to the gym is the hardest part, and that's absolutely true. Once you're there, you're not going to sit around and eat burgers and watch TV. No, no, no. You're going to do some sort of physical activity. And that's what it's all about. Having another person there throughout your training can absolutely help you develop accountability. Plus, it can help you keep your mind focused while you're building that physical strength and endurance. It's my personal belief. Completing a marathon is one of the most mentally challenging tasks a human being can complete as doing a monotonous task for hours on end while you're pushing yourself physically can be extremely mentally taxing. Learning to focus and developing that mental resilience is the primary reason I say every human being needs to complete at least one marathon in their life. However, if you know, and really, even if you're unsure, if you're the sort of person who will struggle with this admittedly difficult component, Having another person there to converse with to get your mind off the task of running alone can be extremely beneficial. As we were just talking about, when I took on my second marathon, it was my wife's first. We started about 45 minutes apart, and even though I was hurting, since my ankle was, uh, you know, all types of jacked up, I was able to complete the first half of the race pretty easily because I was so dead set on catching up to her. We actually met up exactly at the 13.1 mile marker in Animal Kingdom, which was nice, and we ended up crossing the finish line together. Granted, I absolutely should not have tackled that race given the fact I'd rolled my ankle something fierce three days prior, and I logged many miles in that same time frame because obviously I gotta go to Epcot, I gotta go to Magic Kingdom and all that. I vehemently believe if we had not ran that race together, I would not have been able to finish it. I was dead set on supporting my partner and it was an entirely different mental experience than my first race. This next anecdote is going to seem like we're veering off track, but I believe it's pertinent for a couple reasons. I think it'll be clear in in a minute. To celebrate my 30th birthday a few years ago, I wanted to run the final Dallas Rock and Roll Half Marathon since it took place the day after my birthday, and I trained intelligently, I felt strong, and I wanted to do this race solo to prove something to myself. Like, uh, I had a goal to come in under the two-hour mark, right? Nothing crazy. I was chasing that PR. 
I was mentally dialed in and focused. And unlike during that fateful race at the Dopey Challenge a couple years before at this point, yeah, this was two years after Dopey, I think so, something like that, I was physically at 100%. Like for this, the race in Dallas, man, I was feeling good. I trained out of my mind, and I woke up on race day feeling physically fantastic. I went through about 70% of the race, and when I stopped for some water, I noticed a portion of my chest was particularly sensitive, and I was bleeding, and let's just leave the graphic part at that, and it completely wrecked my mindset. I wasn't mad or anything like that, but all the focus I'd built and had with me went out the window. Because that particular event had never happened before. And I wasn't 100% sure how to react in the moment. After a couple moments or minutes rather of adjusting my shirt and getting comfortable. And as a sidebar, this exact reason is why I now only run races with my race bib on my thigh. I began to resume running. But by that point, my focus was shot. Like mentally, I was just out of it. I wasn't thinking about my game plan and little pains and stuff started to creep up in my legs. And I actually got a cramp in my calf with less than half a mile to go to the finish line. I know, I know that particular race sucked in a litany of ways, as you can tell, but it was an invaluable learning experience for my marathon mindset. I wasn't frustrated or mad or anything like I had been for the year and a half prior because this was, like I said, two years after the dopey. So, you know, that from 2016 to, you know, mid-2017, I was very frustrated. And here we are, 2018. And I'm much more laid back. I'm much more, I don't know, at peace or however you want to say it. But I still allowed my mindset to become disrupted due to a setback. While I've had way worse setbacks, like feeling broken down and physically hurt and exhausted from lack of sleep as part of the dopey when the final race when that marathon kicked off it was okay because i focused on that other person i knew my wife was counting on me to be there for her both mentally and physically and in an odd way my injury meant she wanted to be there for me even more so it was kind of like a symbiotic cycle of suffering due to my injury which you know isn't the most healthy thing (laughs) Obviously, if you're training with your friends or a running club to tackle a race together, it hopefully and probably won't be that extreme. But the sentiment still exists. When you're sharing that burden with with someone, you don't necessarily feel the full mental weight of it, which can do wonders for your peace of mind. The beauty of running these long distances and living a healthy and fit lifestyle isn't just a physical component, which absolutely should not be trivialized, but from cultivating our marathon mindsets. Depending upon your perspective, running solo or with others, whether you're actively with a group of friends or just surrounded by hordes of your fellow runners, both have their benefits and drawbacks. That being said, we should always be cognizant of the power of our personal predilections and perception of events. If you find yourself thinking, man, I can't stand running solo or vice versa, the next time you go for a run, Maybe devote a little brain power to determining why you can't stand it. If you abhor running solo, are you really focused on your goals? But if you're on the flip side of that, if you're like me and you had issues initially training with someone else, why? A marathon mindset takes time to develop. 
and we need to do all we can to ensure we're setting ourselves up for success, both mentally and physically, when it comes to our journey on the road to Gainesville. I appreciate you spending some time with me today, and I hope you're seeing what I see, that truly anyone can run. We drop new episodes every other Monday, so make sure you smash that subscribe button. If you've ever got questions or ideas for a topic you'd like covered in a future episode, feel free to hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at AnyoneCanRunPod. If you enjoy Anyone Can Run, notify a fellow runner or someone who wants to kick off their journey on the road to Gainesville so we can all help one another live a healthy and fit lifestyle. It also helps when you leave a quick rating and review in your podcast app of choice to help us dominate the charts. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Anyone Can Run podcast. And if you did, don't forget to pound that subscribe button. If you didn't enjoy it well, you get what you pay for. And regardless, I look forward to seeing you on the road to Gainesville.